0: And welcome in the Rush to Field. I'm Jay Binkley, Julio Sanchez, producing the operation, the all college football show right here. And I'm telling you what, things are getting interesting. I always say grab your popcorn for good games. College football sadly is starting to wind down. We're getting ready for bowl season though, so cheer up. Cheer up. We got some bowl games coming, and of course, the college football playoffs, the final rankings come out Sunday, and I think it's going to be extremely interesting which direction that goes several candidates trying to vie for that spot. But, the uh, season wraps up, uh, for Kansas state university, which by the way, I'll talk to John Kurtz host of faithful to our colors podcast, all things, K-State program director at K-Man in Manhattan, as usual at eight 15, same, uh, same deal, same routine, Gary Pinkle. Well, a few things going on in Missouri. When you say a few things going on there with the coaching surge and of course the bowl ban as well. And, uh, Coach Pinkel's uh, not shy about his thoughts about the NCAA, so I'm sure that will come up in the discussion. Josh Klingler talking uh, Kansas, wrapping up the Kansas football season. Josh Klingler, Fesco in the morning, and, of course, sideline reporter for the Kansas Jayhawks. Looking forward to talking to him tonight as well. Kansas State, what, what a season, what more can you say about a team that was picked ninth in the Big 12 this year? Coach Kleiman finishes with eight wins. Everybody's talking about Matt Campbell. Great job that he's done up at Iowa State, but he hasn't had more than eight wins. You know, for Chris Kleiman to come in here and do it kind of, but Bill Snyder, you know, Bill Snyder-esque. He's not Bill Snyder yet. He's not, but he's a guy at Kansas State that, it's interesting, and I'll talk to John Kurtz about it because I'm curious what he thinks about it. He does not seem like the job hopper to me, and certain guys just aren't. Like, Bill Snyder was never that job hopper. And, of course, in college football, that's what it's about. You have success. You move on to a bigger program. Make more money. You know the routine. And the old school guys like Tom Osborne and those Bobby Bowdens, they're just not there anymore. But look at Gary Pinkle. You know, he was at Toledo, all-time wins leader. He did get a job at Missouri, but he's still at Toledo long enough to become the all-time wins leader. Goes to Missouri. And you know what? Coach Pinkle, one of those guys that was never fired, which is huge because usually guys are hired to eventually Be fired. He wasn't. He got to go out on his own terms. But Kansas State was looking around. Chris Kleiman, 1AA, North Dakota State, four national championships there, and three as an assistant, two as defensive coordinator for Craig Bowl. But for what he did at Kansas State this year, finishes with eight wins. Kansas State's going to a bowl game. Uh, Maybe Camping World in Florida's in their sleeves or in Memphis, the Liberty Bowl that could be there. I know that most K-State fans would prefer to go to Florida than Memphis, but usually, you know, 15, 20,000 K-State faithful go to the games. So Sunday we'll find that out when they do the selection show. They'll do the bowl games as well. But Chris Kleiman at Kansas State, and this this is the thing about Kansas State this year. You look at the schedule. Like, which were the real important games for them to win? Was it at Oklahoma State? No. Was it against TCU? No. Was it against Texas Tech? No. Was it against West Virginia? No. The game that they played on Texas. The ones that he needed to win. There's about four of them. Mississippi State. And Mississippi State's not great, but it was beating the team in the SEC. Not only that, but a team that went to Manhattan last year and had their way with Kansas State. So go to Mississippi State, win that game. All right, that's a pelt on the wall. For him to beat Oklahoma in the top five and Oklahoma in the Big 12 Championship game, still a chance Um a fairly decent chance to get into the college football playoffs. They beat them in Manhattan, and then they go play Kansas and beat their in-state rival. that's trying to fight for those recruits as well. Beat them 38-10. to Important game. And then I think this last one against Iowa State. Iowa State's a team that leads the nation in points scored in the fourth quarter. It's a team that came back on Kansas State before. A program kind of vying for the same recruits. A program kind of on the rise in Iowa State. That's already kind of got there. Kansas State, that win against Iowa State, was bigger than we think. And the fact that he did beat Mississippi State in the SEC, beat a top five team in Oklahoma, beat his in state rival, and then, of course, beats an up and coming team like Iowa State, finishing eight and four on the season, five and four in the Big 12, that is good for one. Chris Kleiman. It's been fun to see his coaching style. It, it once again, it, it is very tough, very tough to replace that legend, but it was Kansas State 27, Iowa State 17, heard right here on Sixteen Sports Radio. Thompson, a knee, and that's it. Kansas State has knocked off Iowa State. They win the ball game 27-17. Now, as far as Missouri, you know, Missouri fires Barry Odom. They're going a different direction. Of course, the NCAA came out and said, Mizzou, you're not in the bowl game this year. Would being in a bowl game have saved Barry Odom's job? I don't think so. I think the writing was on the wall. Barry Odom has had five game losing streaks in three of the four years that he's been at Missouri. You just can't do that. And I know the sentiment from a lot of former players. Barry Odom's a very likable guy. The players like playing for him. I liked Barry Odom. Loved when I met him. But he wasn't winning. And the bottom line is, this is a production business. You're in the SEC. They've got the facilities. Gary Pinko woke up one night, calls Mike Olden, who was the AD at the time, and said, hey, we got to we, we got to catch up with the Jones. We have to build, you know, something on the on the side. We need the, we need weight rooms. We need the facilities. So they do that. And the South End Zone project became a reality, came to fruition at the University of Missouri. Given that competitive advantage, where you can compete with the teams in the SEC, so they have that. It is the only Division One team in the state of Missouri. You look at the population of this state. Well, I'm in Kansas right now. I get that, but the population. I live in Missouri, but the population of Missouri. Compared to, like, Iowa or Kansas, far less populated than the state of Missouri. But what do those states have? They each have two Division I programs in Iowa, Iowa State, and, of course, Kansas in Kansas State, in the state of Kansas. I think it's a good job. The SEC prints money. And not only that, when the bull band came out, not only was Missouri pissed with Jim Sterk, but the, the Great Sankey, the commissioner of the, big, of the SEC conference, had their back. Came out, made a statement— had Missouri's back, That's all he can hope for. Jay Billis, of course, the guru of college athletics and college basketball, but he defends college athletes as it is, was upset with the way things went on in Missouri. Could it be Skip Holtz, Louisiana Tech? Mike Norvell at Memphis, 56 years old, is a guy that a lot of people like, but it looks like Mike Norvell might want that Florida State job. But again, the Ole Miss job is open. The Arkansas job is open. Which, which school is the most attractive? You know, Arkansas's got the money. They got the Jerry Jones money. Jerry Jones for the Cowboys, owner of the Cowboys, alumni, University of Arkansas. Is that the direction they go? You know, a name I like is Lane Kiffin. And the St. Louis Post-Dispatch had a, had a story out today that some of the names that the school presented to the board, they weren't wild about it. They want that flash. They want that sizzle. Lane Kiffin would provide that sizzle for the University of Missouri. Stay tuned. Mike Leach, by the way, at Washington State, won't be taking one of these jobs. Washington State wisely re-upped Mike Leach. Moving on to the team, the closest to us, the Kansas Jayhawks. From 1-11 two years ago to 11-1 and one this season, the Baylor Bears finish with a decisive win over the Kansas Jayhawks. Final score, Baylor 61, Kansas 6. You heard that right. 61-6. to six. Matt Rule, remember Baylor, how bad that program was a couple years ago? Decimated. Had some problems. Our Bryles ran that Baylor became kind of a football dynasty because they were good in football and basketball. Baylor was doing the right things. Matt ruled to me coach of the year at the NCAA. The finish where he did, problem was he did choke that game away to Oklahoma where they had a 25-point lead at home. They get a chance to face the Sooners this weekend in the Big 12 championship game. We'll talk much more in depth with uh, about these programs. John Kurtz, Kansas State, Gary Pinkle, Missouri, and Josh Klingler for the University of Kansas. But other games, it was kind of rivalry weekend, a rivalry weekend around college football, including Alabama losing at Auburn. Alabama's not gone to Auburn, Jordan Air Stadium, and won where both teams are ranked. Cole Nix takes a knee, the coaches... Through the maze of bodies out there. Make their way out to midfield. Auburn fans jumping over the walls. That'll cost them, but they don't care at this point. The students don't. They come up with a 48-45 win. Not only that, Julio, I don't know if you watched it. It made the highlights. People were jumping in the bushes. They got these bushes around the field, and they were getting lost. They were jumping in the bushes in getting lost, Auburn beats Alabama 48-45. to 45. Alabama can kiss the college football playoffs goodbye. Minnesota snow, Wisconsin, Minnesota for a chance to go to the Big Ten title game. Paul Bunyan's axe, one of the great rivalry trophies, up for grabs. As time winding down here in Minneapolis. It was John Chanel, the full bag, getting the final carry. As for the sixth time in the brief history of the Big Ten championship game, the Badgers will be part of it, and they will fly back to Madison with Paul Bunyan's axe. It's over in Minneapolis. Speaking of rivalries, two schools that hate each other, Ohio State and Michigan. Neither one will call each other by the name. At Ohio State, it's the school up north of Michigan. Michigan, it's the school down south. Jim Harbaugh has not beaten Ohio State. Ohio State averaging 39 points a win this season. What happened? Clock at zeros and it's eight in a row for Ohio State as the Buckeyes come to Ann Arbor and they defeat Michigan by a score of 56 to 27. Ohio State LSU steamrolling towards the uh, the, the final in the playoffs. These teams are great. Don't don't count on Clemson. Clemson will be the 3 seed. Don't count on them because they come alive this time of year, and finally, as far as rivalries that I was really paying attention to, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Bedlam. That'll do it. Win column Sooners. In an odd way, Oklahoma holds Oklahoma State to their lowest scoring output of the season. Final score in Bedlam, 114. Sooners, 34, and Cowboys, 16. Oklahoma wins that game. Jalen Hurts cruising three thousand over 3,000 yards passing thousand yard rushing see him in new york for the heisman trophy ceremony oklahoma state's chuba hubbard finishes as the nation's leading rusher coming up next john kurtz kansas state football great year for chris Kleiman. what's it mean we talk to john kurtz next welcome back to Rush the field uh, the all college football show and joining us right now as he has done all season long which i greatly appreciate it John Kurtz, at JL Kurtz on Twitter, sports director at K-Man in Manhattan. All-around Kansas State guy has the podcast, the great podcast, faithful to our colors, on the 435 Podcast Network, everything Kansas State. Good evening, John.
1: Hey, what's going on, Jay? How are you?
0: Well, I tell you what, John, you know, we've been talking all year about this Kansas State Wildcat team and, you know, exceeding our expectations and as the season has has progressed forward. But you know what? Kansas State won the games they have to do, and Iowa State was one of these up-and-coming teams, you know, kind of where Kansas State, I think, kind of wants to be where Iowa State is. Kansas State punched their ticket, 10-point win over a very good Iowa State team to get that eighth win.
1: Yeah, that was that was a big win, and, and to be honest, to me, a surprising win, because Kansas State was pretty beat up by the end of the year. Uh, they went into that game against Brock Purdy in a pretty high-powered Iowa State passing offense without their two best corners, and A.J. Parker and Walter Neal, and more than held their own defensively uh, I know the, the weather affected things some because winds were gusting up to 50 miles per hour and it was a swirling wind which uh, was tough for, for guys to figure out but man I mean to hold Iowa State to 17 points it was a season low in yards and yards per play for the Iowa State offense also it's just another uh, incredible performance from Scotty Hazelton as K-State's defensive coordinator that really led the way and then special teams was the other thing and I think that's obviously something K-State's relied on for a long time, but makes it even more important when you have a game like that where the weather conditions are weird to be able to excel in special teams. And not only did Josh Youngblood, who's now the Big 12 special teams player of the year, take another kick back to the house for a touchdown, but Blake Lynch, who I thought probably deserved better than honorable mention all Big 12 honors a kicker, knocked in two field goals, one of which was from 43 yards, which is right on the edge of his range. And that's, again, with the win where there's literally a bag that has drifted onto the field, swirling around, getting tossed around by the wind as he's kicking that football, which to me would be intimidating as a kicker to have to see. So that's really what led the way offense did enough. But, man, the significance of Chris Kleiman winning eight games in his first year, he's the second-best first-year head coach in the country behind Ryan Day. Uh, he has just solidified all of the positive things that I thought about him and that many did think about him heading into the
0: season. Well, there's so much swirling around. You know, Missouri's out there looking for a new football coach. Uh, Kansas, you know, has not won more than three games since 2009. So a nice statement game uh, for Chris Kleiman. And the thing about it is, too, John, is I look at the games and you look at the schedule and which games they win and which games they didn't. I understand the Texas game. Listen, it was close. It was on the road. But you beat a top-five team, a team that might even end up in the college football playoffs in Oklahoma, beat your in-state rival on the road, pounded them, and the fact you beat Iowa State – Uh, a team that's really getting a lot of national attention for the job Matt Campbell has done there. So when you look at the importance of games, they won the important games that they needed to win.
1: I could not agree with you more. and That's been one of my big talking points coming out of that game is if you're a K-State fan and you ask yourself, okay, going into the year, back in August, what are the four most exciting wins that K-State could pick up throughout the season? I think you would go... One Kansas just because of the importance of Les Miles' new rivalry. So, K-State passes that with flying colors. They win that in blowout fashion. Then you go Oklahoma because, hey, shock the world. It's the Sooners, the big brand of the Big 12. All right, so if you check that one off the list, you won that. Uh, I think Mississippi State, because at the time, now they wound up being a six-win team, but it felt like they may be a better team than that even. And an SEC road win, it was so early in the year and such an important statement to make about climate and company early. That would be on my list, and then number four with the rivalry and the way things have turned out, the fact that they were picked third in the Big 12 this year, um, Iowa State would be next on that list. So K-State hit all of those boxes, and not all eight-win seasons are created equally. I mean, you can go to the Big Ten and luck your way into a Minnesota-esque sort of a schedule and go eight and four pretty easily, and it's not going to be nearly as exciting or, I would argue, meaningful as what Chris Kleiman did. Yes, there was the West Virginia hiccup and slip-up, and, and that's really the one game that will – Stick with you from this year, but man, winning the last two games like they did erases a lot of the bad taste out of your mouth from that game. And now you just await the bowl destination, but Chris Kleiman's armed with a lot of in this game.
0: John, what's Skyler Thompson been saying? How's he kind of look at his season? He, you know, we've talked a lot about him this year. You know, he set some career highs in passing, really becoming a leader uh, for this Kansas State Wildcat team. Well, how does he kind of put, it, you know, kind of encapsulate this season and what it's meant? For the cats, and of course, it's not done yet. They'll have the bowl game.
1: Yeah, so he had a really, I thought a really insightful uh, post game press conference after after the game against Iowa State. He's he's definitely an emotional kind of a guy. Um, he's not one to hold anything back. He uh, he's actually kind of like Bruce Weber in that you ask him one question and they go on for three or four minutes with his answer. Mm-hmm. But it's because he's he's just a passionate guy, and and he really likes to talk about things that he appreciates about Chris Kleiman and, and there was a lot of that after the game and he went back to the fact that when Kleiman first took over, one of the first things Chris Kleiman said to him was I'm not here to just win six games and try it, uh backdoor my way into a bowl game. I, I want to go out and actually win some games with you guys that are already here in the program. That's been the the idea and the mantra that K-State's taken through the whole time and obviously that's paid some dividends. And You can just see it in Skyler, man. I mean, he is so grateful for what Chris Kleiman did and coming in and taking the exact opposite approach with Skyler, really, that the, uh, the other coaching staff did before, Bill Snyder's regime. And it, it has increased his confidence. It has it just increased his enjoyment in the game of football like it has for most of the players on that team. And Skyler just embodies that more than anybody else because he had to deal with so much with the, the shuffling of the quarterbacks back and forth last year. So I could not be happier for Skyler uh, as a guy and a kid that's, that's been through a lot. He's a, he, I think a part of the reason he's such a, an emotional guy is because he's somebody that had to battle through the loss of his mother at a young age. And he's always been very tight with his dad, who turned into a, a single father for a while to raise him. So I think that has really shaped a lot of the way Skyler handles things, and it's made him very appreciative of a coach that came in and loved him up, like Chris Clark.
0: Hey, John, is, uh, you know, the guy's going to stay there forever, and there's a lot to be determined, wins, losses, all that kind of thing, but... You know, talking about the Missouri job, you know, who are they looking for? Would they be willing to embrace kind of a job hopper that's going to come there when before going to, uh, you know, greener pastures? And, I, you know, I I don't really have a feel on Coach Kleinman. I mean, he seems like the type of guy I could see being a lifer there. I really do. I mean, I don't know what his sentiment is, how he seems to really enjoy himself in Manhattan, Kansas. But, obviously, when you have success, people are going to come calling at some point. Uh, what you do to the program, but I just don't have a feel one way or the other. Cause you know, he's a very loyal guy and I, I don't know what his future would be. Uh, yeah. It's,
1: I think the read I have on it is pretty similar to you. I, I think there's a lot that would indicate that compared to what your typical up and coming coach in a situation like him would be uh Chris climate is much more likely to stay than, than your average uh, coach there. And, and basically, The biggest reason for that is Gene Taylor because Gene Taylor is the guy, K-State's athletic director, that gave, obviously, Chris Kleiman his shot to move from FCS to the big time, the Power 5 college football. But it goes deeper than that. I mean, those two go back, obviously, to their days at North Dakota State. And Gene Taylor is also the one who gave Chris Kleiman a chance to be the head coach at North Dakota State when Craig Bull left for Wyoming. And I can remember Gene Taylor explaining the story of sitting in the living room of Chris Kleiman and talking about the moment when he realized during the interview, okay, this is the guy. And this is the guy that I'm going to turn things over to, which, you know, I know we can talk about it being a smaller level of FCS. But that's in that community, the bison and the success that they were having, that was a giant hire for North Dakota State when Craig Bull left to make sure that she kept that ship going in the right direction. And Gene Taylor faced a similar set of circumstances in making that hire. And so I think there is – there is a lot of loyalty from Chris Kleiman's part on that. And I also think Gene Taylor understands I need to treat this guy right. I need to make sure that we pay him appropriately. And I think you're going to see that happen assuming that Chris Kleiman continues to win. So I, I don't think it's going to be any situation where Gene would, would shortchange Chris Kleiman there because he knows how important Kleiman is to, to his legacy, to Gene Taylor's legacy at K State as well. So that to me is the biggest factor there. Now I don't know what that means if really big program comes after Chris Kleiman and throws a ton of money that K-State can't match, I mean, then we'll see. You know, I mean, you're always as faithful as your best option, right? So yep. when a when a really good option comes around at some point for Chris Kleiman, we'll see how much it tests that loyalty. But I think there's reason to believe if you're a K-State fan that Chris Kleiman could be a guy that would be around for a long time because of that tie with Gene, which is ironic because A lot of the fans that were upset about the hire in the first place were upset about it because they felt like, hey, it's just Gene going out and getting his boy and not doing an actual fulfilling coaching search. And now that may be the thing that saves K-State and keeps climbing around for a long time.
0: John, I've appreciated your time this year and appreciate your time tonight. Final thing for you uh, tonight, Kansas State, the bowl game. Kansas State always travels well. Uh, Do you expect uh, the same for Kansas State Wildcat fans get excited heading to the bowl?
1: I think as long as it's not the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, that, that's the one that does that not have very much excitement from K-State fans around here because uh, I, I haven't checked what the opponent would be in that game in a little while. I know for a while it was looking like Kentucky or Tennessee or something. So I, but K-State was just there in 2015, and nothing against the Liberty Bowl, but the stadium is not very nice. Uh, it was cold being there for New Year's four years ago. K-State got beat pretty soundly by Arkansas, so I don't – I think K-State fans have a lot of excitement for that. And, unfortunately, I think if the Big 12 does not get two teams in New Year's Six bowls or better, if Baylor and Oklahoma don't both go there, I think the Liberty Bowl is a pretty realistic option for K-State based on what I'm hearing. But if it is the other options, which would be Camping World Bowl, my personal favorite in Orlando, just because K-State hasn't been there, or if it is –
0: You just want to go down there, there, man. You just want to go down there.
1: Yeah, well, that that is true. (laughs) Yes, I – I want a new destination. K-State's never played a bowl game in Florida, so I would love to go to uh, the Camping World Bowl. Plus, Notre Dame might be the opponent of K-State. That'd be fun, Which would be really exciting. But the Alamo Bowl and the Texas Bowl, I think would do pretty well with the fans also, if if those wind up being the destinations. Now, K-State obviously has been to both of those bowl games as well multiple times, but I think being in Houston and San Antonio, in particular San Antonio, K-State fans have travel well. So it's just tough. There's so many moving parts. At this point, as far as what happens with Baylor, what happens with Oklahoma, does the Alamo Bowl want to take Texas? It sounds like the Camping World Bowl is very much having I mean, their sights set on Texas. There's just so much that can happen between now and Sunday. But the good news is K-State will be headed somewhere with a chance for a night win, no matter what happens.
0: John, appreciate the time. John Kurtz, uh, Program Director at uh, K-Man in Manhattan, host of Faithful to Our Colors podcast all things kansas state 435 podcast network john have a good evening and uh thanks for joining us absolutely appreciate you having me on all year bink time to switch uh gears to the university of missouri coach gary pinkel is, is going to join me and i'm curious about a couple things obviously the barry odom thing I want to talk about his thoughts about barry and also i'm curious if he's going to be part of the search committee at the university of missouri we'll talk about that and i'm sure the ncaa will come at, up at some point gary pinkel next Joining us now as he's done all season, the former head coach of the University of Missouri, the all time wins leader there, and Toledo. And also, uh, of course, we've talked about it a lot. The great book, Christmas Time is Coming Around. Go to GaryPinkle.com or GPMade.com. Dave Matter wrote the book uh, with Coach, and uh, Coach Nick Saban wrote the foreword with that. And we'll get back to that in just a second. Coach, good evening. Good evening. Coach, uh, well, the season's done for the University of Missouri, and a lot of changes, uh, coaching changes. Um, are never easy. Um, they're always talked about uh, quite a bit. Uh, you, know, you know, people are chasing the airplanes and everything else. You never know it, but uh, I, I guess just first of all, your, your thoughts about uh, Coach Odom.
2: Well, first of all, you know, it, my business is brutal at times. You know, it's a, it's a coaching business. Um, I think you know there's a lot of money, more money than I've ever been in. People don't want to hear about the problems or concerns. And, and I'm talking in general. Uh, administrations have to make you know decisions, we, you know, huge financial decisions, and because the impact of this, professional football, football, on the university and the success of it, is huge. So, you know, they had to decide what they wanted to do. You know, obviously, in the part of it all, you know, I, I certainly uh, appreciate what Barry did, and the uh, good news is he, he'll rebound and uh, grow from it all. But uh, now it's uh, you know Jim Sterk out looking for uh, find the right. Uh, guy to come in, and um, it's always a challenge. You know, it's uh, you know, it's 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 you get a guy with experience. You know, bring a guy in like that generally from probably a little bit smaller type school, or you bring a guy in that's a coordinator at uh, at, at the high level. So there's a lot of things to look at, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, in our business, uh, generally is as good as a coach. It has a lot to do with, with the direction the program's going to go.
0: Coach, how hard is that? Does that go through a, a guy's mind as a coach a lot, Are you just kind of focusing on the next game or what you can do, or your players or recruiting? You know, how often do do coaches think about that? You mean think about getting fired, or thinking about well, oh, just, uh, just just the, just just you know extensions, uh, the school releasing you. I mean, just all the things that go through a coach's head. Yeah, well, I I think
2: that's tough. I think you know we all know you know if 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 you know if you're Team isn't playing as well as what you like, and you know, and if you do that for a number of years, you know, I think you know, I've been on edge in my first four years, and I hired a program two and season seventeen years. We had a change of culture here, and it was so hard, and so we would, you know, you know, for me, and losing, losing, losing and losing, in the next the next eleven years, or you know, we went to nine bowls, and, you know, all this, all this, the five championships in eight year period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you what you do is it's it's a lot of stress and has a huge impact on families. You know all of a sudden, you know you don't have a job, uh, there's certainly buyouts that they have and different things like that, but it's very disruptive uh, to families. It's just it's the bad part of a great profession. and uh, you know we all got to deal with it at every sports the same way. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know it's uh, I'm very lucky. You know, probably 95% of the guys at coach will get fired at one time or the other. I've guys fortunate; I never got fired. So, even as an assistant
0: coach, so I've been very, very lucky. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to, to go through your career like that—that's uh, you know an unbelievable accomplishment. And coach, you know how things go. I mean, you—you you were rumored at different places. I—I I don't know how you guys block that out. You know, when people are thinking, "Are you going to stay? Are you going to go? Are you going to look at another school?" I, I just imagine some of that stuff. I mean, coaches say they're not distracted by things. But I think when your name is mentioned in places, it's got to affect you.
2: Yeah, it really does. I, I remember this when I, when I became head coach of Toledo. It was my first head coaching job. And obviously, they had a plane pick me up in, in Seattle, and I was leaving Don James at Washington. i been there 12 years. And we just won the Rose Bowl um, against Iowa. And I went to Coach James, and, and uh, I, I said I, hate, I would say goodbye to him before I went up and got, got jumped on the plane. Walked out, said goodbye to him. And I walked down. I sucked my head back in his office. Said, Coach, you have any words of wisdom? I have no idea why I did that. And he said to me, he said, uh, yeah, Gary. And he took, me glasses, you know, took his glasses off, reading glasses off. He said, look, things get tough. He said, they're going to get really, really tough. You focus on doing your job and only your job. And you go it hour by hour every day. And you keep all the noise out. And he says, because if you don't, it'll eat you up. It'll eat you up. And I walked out, you know, I'm 37 years old, you know, I'm going to be the new you know, head coach at Toledo. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden uh, I said, well, that was okay. You know, that was okay. It was that, that wasn't profound, but it became profound so I I became head coach. Found out that that's no question And what you said. You have to learn. Um, you have to really learn on what you can, uh, Jay, and what you can't do. And you have to keep focused on your job because if you get caught up, it's even a lot worse now than it was, you know, back then when he told me that. It was years and years ago. But uh, it's 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 there's a lot of noise out there. You gotta to learn to focus on doing your job. And you also train your kids to do the same thing. You got to get in the circle of the wagons a little bit, you know. We're the team, nobody lets nobody nobody gets outside of, of the team. We all keep everything internal. You kinda of get them to take a pride standpoint. But you certainly have to dress with your team, your coaches. And uh, you know certainly uh, you know with your staff because it's, it can get brutal,
0: coach. Uh, as far as going forward in the future, I know that the that the school really values your opinion. You you part of any coaching search at all, or you give input in that? I mean, what's kind of your role?
2: No, I I you know, I, I, I I really you know I think that's you know something Jim wants to do. It's you know, all he's got a good group of people around him. Uh, he has called me a couple times, but certainly you know that's he's he's. Is, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough call. I mean, it's hard to do. It's hard to pick guys up, you know. And the, you know the old thing, if a guy's a good coordinator, you know, then become a good coach it has nothing to do with it. You can be the best coordinator in the world. You can call defenses better in the country. You can call offensive plays better in the country. That has nothing to do with operationally running a football program. You got to be a CEO. You have to be, you know, operationally, you know, run hundreds and hundreds of people. And um, it's uh, it's a tough call. So. Um, I think he'll do a great job. I mean, historically, he's done that in his jobs that he's, that, he's, that he's done. This isn't the first time he's done this. And uh, hopefully we get uh, somebody really special in here. Uh, the university right now, with the, with the ends on our, our facilities, are as good as in the country. There's a lot of things set in here. You know, can you win five, you know, can you win at, at a high level? Or yeah, we had an eight-year period of time. We won five divisional championships, five these seasons. And national rank all those years, and once fifth, once fourth, uh, you can do it. And you know, and so hopefully we'll, we'll get somebody in here that
0: uh, can help us get that done. Well, coach, you proved it can be done. Uh, you went to the SEC title game twice. I, I look at this job and I think about the population of the state of Missouri and just the, that one Division One school. And I think of Iowa and Kansas, you know, far less populated, but two Division One schools. It's in the best conference in America. In my opinion, uh, the talent pool around Kansas City is getting so big, and of course, the talent pool around St. Louis. I mean, I, I look at the Missouri job as really a really coveted job for our coach.
2: Yeah, and that's really important. That was one of the things when we when I we came here. You know, although some schools wouldn't let us in because of their the problems they had with some of the you know the people in Missouri prior to us, you had to work through all those things. Um, but you know there is a real. I think the high school footballs improved dramatically. Uh, I think the coaches do a great job. We got to the point where we getting, we were getting between 85 and 92 percent of the best players every year stay here. And that's why we started winning all those games. That's why we had all that success. Obviously, obviously out of state's important too. You know that's evaluation. That's a lot of different things. But you know you got you have a home base here, and everybody always talks about how good Missouri should be but never really got there. Well, you know, there's a lot of things we didn't accomplish, but, you know, we did make a lot of strides. And, um, you know, certainly that's going to be a priority without question. And, you know, obviously I'll do anything else at the
0: university if I can. Coach, I, I, I did not like the decision by the NCAA not let those, uh, those guys uh, go play in a bowl game. I will say this. It was nice that the commissioner of the SEC had Missouri's back. It was good that people nationally that are, you know, pretty respected and, you know, just college athletics like a Jay Bellis, you know, had Missouri's back on that and they did. And, uh, I think that was good to see knowing that uh, a lot of people did not like that decision.
2: Well, uh, you know, you know, I talked about that a little bit before. I, mm-hmm. I just, I'm just, uh, I think it's embarrassing. I think it's the inconsistencies of the NCAA is, 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 is uh, it's laughable. It's if it, it would be laughable, if it didn't hurt too, so many people, um, I think it was extraordinarily uh, high uh, things that they they that they put against us and, and that we had to swallow uh, and um, you know it's a uh, very unfortunate and we'll, we'll be able to overcome those things but uh, you know I'm 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 a person that you know if you if you get caught speed you get a ticket you deserve a ticket. And you know, just we just want to be right and fair. And they, you couldn't do it any worse than that. I will give you one quick example. You know, when I was there, you know, all the years we had there, we had a rule that you as a coach could never talk to a tutor. You could never ever talk to a tutor ever. And so you couldn't call a tutor up and say, "How's Johnny doing?" Or "Can you help Johnny with this test?" You can't do it. You can't do it. So we 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 had no control at all in one row of persons out there. But the point is. It wasn't like, well, we interacted all the time and we saw this happen. We, we did. We were allowed to. And all of a sudden, it's all these things on top of, uh, of, of the university. I just think it's appalling. It's embarrassing. And I would like to think that, uh, you know, someday they're going to figure a, a right way of doing this. And I think it's remarkably political, which they would deny, but that, that would be a lie.
0: Well, Coach, uh, great stuff. I've really enjoyed talking to you this season. If people again, hey, Other what, than that, Jay, I don't have a comment on it. So. What's that?
2: <laughs> said, other than
0: that, I have no comment. <laughs> I know there's certain things you will talk about. I know that this, is, this is one of them, but I always appreciate your honesty, and I think a lot of people agree 100% with you. And, Coach, I've always said, easiest thing to buy for Christmas is a book. I've got to, If you've enjoyed uh, Coach Pinkle and some of his thoughts, not only on football, but life and business uh, check out his book, The 100-Yard Journey, uh, with Dave Matter and the Forward by Nick Saban. Easiest place to get it, just garypinkle.com. It's just right there is, is a tab for the book. And also com as well. Coach, uh, I, I've really enjoyed the conversation with you this year, talking about Missouri. I respect your candidness and your honesty when it comes to things. Well, it's
2: been fun. And, you know, obviously Kansas City is a great, great and uh that's why I saw the lighting down at the plaza. Oh, the yeah. In you know, those years I was coaching. And last couple of years, we were doing some family things. I couldn't get there. So I was down there. It's just a great place. And uh, I appreciate it being a part of it. And uh, that's Chiefs now. It's going to be a pretty big game this week.
0: That's right. Thanks a lot, coach. Okay, bye. There you go, Coach Pinkle, right there. Well, it's time to turn our attention to the Kansas Jayhawks. The finish from three wins, just like they had a season ago. Josh Klingler was there. The progress Kansas has made this year. Might not be as tangible as the record. What progress was made? What steps are they taking? We'll wrap the season up for the Kansas Jayhawks. With Josh Klingler, next. Welcome back to Rushfield. Jay Bankley with Julio Sanchez. That was Damon Hughes just a little bit ago in that commercial. He and Joe Mays host the Players Only, 6 o'clock Thursday night on Sixteen Sports Radio. If you missed tonight's episode, it's really good. Go to on-demand, 16 sportscom uh, Kendall Gammon, uh, chief broadcaster, former Pitt State Gorilla. In the house, national champion, Pitt State Gorilla. Plus, the former long snapper for the Kansas City Chiefs. You can check out the full interview there. Joining us now, the uh, co-host, Fesco in the morning, 5.58 every day, right here on 610 Sports Radio in Kansas Jayhawk, sideline reporter Josh Klingler. Josh, been a fun year, my friend, but it's got to come to an end at some point. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, you'd like it to, to end every year with, you know, a few more wins because, Man, it's, 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 it's pretty rough to look at the, the history of the Jayhawks over the last decade or so. And we were kind of talking down the stretch about, you know, just trying to be able to get four wins and something that hasn't happened in a decade at Kansas. And uh, uh, certainly the, the last game, one to forget, that did not perform well in that game against Baylor, but, you know, did show some signs at, at various points during the season. Unfortunately, you'd love that final, kind of that final grade to be one you, you like with a performance that was pretty good in, in the finale. And they really got, uh, really got drugged by Baylor. So got to flush that one for the guys that are coming back. And then left Miles and company out on the recruiting trail immediately following uh, the game out on, on Sunday and into this week and getting into a lot of homes and trying to talk to a lot of players and, and hopefully uh, recruit some some reinforcements to, uh, to build this thing up in, in year number two.
0: Kling, did you happen to get a good look at uh, Matt Rule? The coach of Baylor is that a vest he wears? What what is that thing he wears all week? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I actually I I delved way deep into it. I I read a story about it. It was there was a written story about about this vest and how he, he wore it early on and then he decided to wear it all season long. And yeah. They, they don't actually sell it in the uh, in the uh, the, uh, the the uh, athletic gift shop because it's it's not for sale. But well, it's dumb. there's a big demand for it because yeah. You no know, fans want to buy it, but it's it's ugly. I think it, that's an ugly look, but it works for him.
0: You know what, though? He might be coach of the year in NCAA, and I, I wouldn't yeah. blame it. I think he's doing an excellent job. They'll play the Oklahoma Sooners in the Big 12 title game this weekend. And, Kling, there was three wins for the Kansas Jayhawks, but you know, you're talking about a quarterback and Carter Stanley, gets over 5,000 yards that, you know for a career, and you know he's going to be gone now. And, you know, it wasn't really Les Miles' guy, Puka Williams. Uh, first Kansas running back to have 1,000 yards in back-to-back years since Gail Sayers. What positives do you take away? And it's hard to judge, Les Miles, always hard to judge a coach this first year, especially college football. What are some of the small things that you think they can build upon next year?
1: Well, I certainly think the the confidence that they can play with teams in the Big 12 is the biggest thing I think players kind of told me uh, down the stretch is that there was a confidence. Well, Puka Williams was among those that, that said it was – you know, hey, we don't feel overmatched when we go out on the field. And I think we had the confidence to play with peeps. Now they indeed have to prove it. Um, certainly, you know, they got a lot of skill players back on offense. Um, the wide receiver group, I think, is going to be as good as any in the conference coming back next year in the uh, the three of the four top wide receivers that are coming back, along with Puka Williams at that running back spot. Uh, the quarterback's a big question. Les Miles was asked about it in the post game uh, news conference. and But kind of, what's your. You know, what are you you looking for when you're out on the recruiting trail? What's the biggest need? He said, we got to go find a quarterback. So, I don't know if that quarterback's on campus. It may or may not be. Um, Thomas McVitie, who we thought going into the fall might be the starting quarterback, you know, didn't play at all, all season long, uh, other than kind of a few snaps and kind of some gimmick formations. Um, I believe that the coaching staff um, does like Miles Kendrick, the redshirt sophomore who played a couple of years ago but really hasn't done anything uh, since. Um, Torrey Lachlan's an interesting possible candidate for that quarterback spot. They used him as kind of a, uh, a running back hybrid athlete type position this year, but he may get some opportunities at snaps, but I don't know. Uh, it starts with the quarterback for me because I think uh, that's your best way in college football, right? To. Make yeah. yourself relevant. They got to go and find a quarterback. If it's not on campus, uh, they need to get one and get one soon to get uh, things pushing that offense. And like I said, I think there's going to be some good pieces around whoever plays quarterback. So, it wouldn't be a bad situation. I don't think to step into.
0: It's almost like Kansas if they go out and get like a three star guy, you know, to be there. They can redshirt groom, you know, a, a less miles guy and a JUCO transfer quarterback. You know, just to get them by and The quality of JUCO transfers out there. We know the state of Kansas is loaded with junior colleges. That that's that's a route that a lot of coaches make, and and I think that might actually be a good path for Les Miles.
1: Yeah, and and to find one that you know can can step in and play right away might be the the, the best option. Or you know, I don't know, I don't know who's out there from the graduate perspective, but I'd always be scouring that as well, at least internally. I'd, I'd kind of go that graduate route and uh, and a freshman, right? Kind of couple those things. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you can bring along somebody. That's the biggest question, though, uh, along the offense. Defensively, um, you know, I think they need to they need to find a, get a little more athletic. I didn't think they looked as athletic on the defensive side this year, um, especially at the at the linebacker spot. They had a couple of young kids playing there, and hopefully uh, they can build into something. But I think uh, they have some work to do defensively. They at times got kind of chewed up and spit out. Certainly that last game. Uh, Was a a big indication of that. So they got some holes to plug along the defensive line. Probably need to get a little uh, speedier at the linebacker position. And you can never have too many corners, obviously, in safety when you're playing in the Big Twelve. And they graduate some experienced guys in the uh, the secondary. So I think quite a bit of work to do on defense.
0: And one thing you do have is Les Miles. He knows how to win. He's won a national championship. That's good for Kansas. They have a coach that no matter who he's playing against, you like the you like the X's and O's. If he gets the talent to the right level he wants, you know the coaching is there. And and that's often some of the hardest times or so, hardest people to go find. playing final thing for you, where does Kansas kind of sit with the renovations, the things that they want to do for that program? Obviously, you know, Jeff Long comes in there. I, I think the Les Miles, you know, a big name, the boosters like that kind of thing. Where does Kansas kind of sit on that?
1: Well, I don't know that they have to do a lot in terms of uh, kind of practice facilities. I think, I think the stadium issue is going to have to be tackled at some point in time. That seems to be one that's gotten kind of stuck in the mud a couple of different times. I don't think that that really comes until you have ultimate success, but um, their their uh, locker room, the weight room, the practice facility that they uh, just opened this past year are all top-notch, so they're certainly uh, in the mix to have those types of facilities. I think the biggest project is the, uh, the stadium uh, when and if there's enough uh, momentum to go ahead and do that, but I think everything else, they have to feel like that they can compete in, in those areas with a lot of the big boys. They spent the money, and, and certainly that that indoor practice facility that is the, is the newest uh, feature is as good as any in the in the conference. So I think they're pretty good from that standpoint. And then uh, once you get up and rolling, I think then you go back again and ask for dollars to sure to, uh, to bring the stadium up to snuff.
0: Josh Klingler, FESCO in the morning co-host five fifty eight in the morning tomorrow. He's the uh, sideline reporter also for the Kansas Jayhawks. Josh does a ton, a ton. Of things, Kling. I've enjoyed the uh, Ku analysis all season long. I really appreciate it.
1: I wish we do. We're doing more, but I guess once there's a bowl game, we'll do another.
0: Huh? <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll do it at that point. All right, Kling. We'll catch you <laughs> later, buddy. All right, thanks, thanks There you go, Kling. Right there. Now it's time. You know what? We're getting close to the Heisman. You know, we're getting close to the guys being invited. Here would be my top five for the Heisman Trophy. I love the Heisman Trophy. It's fun. By the way, you like the Heisman too. Football and Barbecue Podcast. Shameless plug, 610sports.com, 435 Podcast Network, the 1965 Heisman Trophy. Mike Garrett, join me at Smokehouse Barbecue for the last episode of that. Number five, and I really like this guy, Chuba Hubbard, running back, Oklahoma State. Brown takes the ball,
1: hands it off, Hubbard right side, breaks a tackle, breaks another tackle, diving toward the end zone, he's in! Pistols firing, touchdown Oklahoma State, Chuba Hubbard!
0: A lot of fun to watch. Led the nation in rushing, one thousand nine hundred thirty-six yards, twenty-one touchdowns. But a nice, cool Chris, six point three yards per carry. Four games over two hundred yards this year, including two ninety-six against Kansas State this year. Had over hundred yards every game except two. McNeese State, where he didn't play that much. He only carried eight times in that game. Chuba Hubbard's next game, the ball game, coming in at number four. And this is tough because this. List just gets in completely tough. Jonathan Taylor back in there, and Cohen will give it to him. Over the right side, inside the 10, inside the 5. Touchdown, Jonathan Taylor. Man, has he been fun to watch the three years at Wisconsin. Big reason why they're in the Big Ten title game. Uh, he actually broke uh, former uh, Georgia great Herschel Walker's record for the most rushing yards through the junior season in FBS history. In the 45-24 win, Over Purdue uh, recently ran for 228 yards or 22 yards on 28 carries, making it 12 times. He has broken the 200-yard barrier in a game. Incredible work in his career for Jonathan Taylor. Number three, snap to Hurts, back to pass. Looks left, pulls it down, wants to run it himself. 25 to the 20. Has room, makes a move. 15, watch out. 10-5. He's a one-man show. Touchdown, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has been fun to watch. This guy was 26-2 at Alabama before he transferred to Oklahoma. In the Big 12 title game, outside shot. And a decent shot if things play out their way of getting into the college football playoffs. Listen to these stats. 3,347 yards passing, 31 touchdowns, 6 picks. But on the ground, 1,217 yards rushing, 18 touchdowns. That's a cool 49 touchdowns for Jalen Hurts. Number two. And you will see this guy in the playoffs. Fields in the shotgun. Gets the snap. Looks to throw. Looking left. Looking left. Running left. Still holding the ball as if to throw. Cranks and fires toward the end zone. Wilson's oh. For a touchdown, Garrett Wilson! The- Justin Fields went 2,654 yards passing. 37 touchdowns. Just one interception. At another 470 yards on the ground and 10 touchdowns, Justin Fields will be in New York. And... The number one leading Heisman Trophy contender, who will win it? Burrow in the pocket, has all day, launches deep down the field, has Chase, caught at the 32, down the middle of the field. He'll take it to the house. Touchdown, Tigers! Joe Burrow, LSU, the former Ohio State transfer. Huge thanks to Julio Sanchez for producing the operation. John Kurtz, my K-State guy. Gary Pinkle, Mizzou, and Josh Klingler, Kansas. This has been Rush to Field. See you next week. Brush the field with Jay Binkley.